The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 75th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from the past week. Also, during the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, my highlight of the week is the Ryder Cup getting underway this morning at Medina Country Club outside Chicago, where the crowds in this fantastic sports city are already roaring. It was great to wake up this morning and have uh, the Ryder Cup on live, and lo and behold, uh, off to a good start with uh, Rory McIlroy making an unbelievable chip shot to get it going, and basically, uh, you know, the race is on. I had the pleasure of attending the 1999 Ryder Cup uh, up here at the Country Club in Brookline, right outside Boston, and basically uh, attended seven days in a row, all the practice rounds. Uh, Literally 13 years ago this morning, I was at the first round, the way the people in Chicago are today, and it's absolutely rates as one of the top two or three sports weeks I've ever had in my life, right up there with Super Bowl weeks and the final Sunday, the legendary final Sunday was, uh, again, top three ever sports memories. I was on the course when Justin Leonard hit the famous putt to give the American team the victory and, again, the Boston crowds... uh, were unbelievable, not unlike the Chicago crowds that we have underway today, and uh, and it was just remarkable, remarkable week, and I think we're in for a remarkable weekend. Um, again, they're already just roaring out of Medina. It's already been riveting, and one of the interesting 
People to watch, I believe, will be Keegan Bradley from nearby Hopkinton, Massachusetts, just a few towns over from where I'm broadcasting from at this moment. And uh, Keegan Bradley has that Boston edge, shall we say, and has already been exhibiting it big time, playing with Phil Mickelson this morning. And very, very competitive, ultra competitive, and... uh, so I think he's going to be a player to watch throughout the weekend. My low light of the week are, again, the Boston Red Sox and how they basically ended this low light of a season with a low light final couple of games. Uh, their last two games uh, this week, one was a very contrived eight, repeat, eight-year anniversary of the 2004 championship team that broke the curse. And again, uh, it just shows how desperate they are to try to get people in the stadium in Fenway Park to uh, continue their bogus ticket distribution streak of, quote, sellouts, which everybody up here in Boston knows is just simply... Not true. Second, on the final game the other night, they announced the All-Fenway team, which had been long planned. That was not as contrived like the 04 eight-year commemoration of the 04 team. Uh, the All-Fenway team was long planned, but they couldn't even get that right as they uh, announced an All-Fenway team, granted, voted on by the fans, but... It left off, of all people, Carl Yastrzemski, the last Triple Crown winner, since that's a topical uh, topical news item with Miguel Cabrera shooting for the become the first Triple Crown winner since Yaz in 1967. So to have uh, the greatest living Red Sox player not on the all-Fenway 100-year team is just utterly ridiculous. And then I'll even throw in that uh, another missing person from this team was uh, Manny Ramirez. And say what you want about Manny, his drug suspensions, what have you. The fact is he's the greatest right-handed hitter in the history of the Red Sox. And he was the MVP of the World Series the year they broke the curse, eight years ago, as as we now know. So uh, the way they did it was they designated outfield positions, left field, right field, center field, left field. Of course, Ted Williams, no one would ever in a million years argue with that. And, of course, Stremski played left, as did Jim Rice, another Hall of Famer. Uh, It seems to me, in retrospect, and I've heard this mentioned on other Boston sports media outlets, they should have just done the outfield, three outfielders, and I'm guessing it would have been Williams, Yaz, and Manny. Instead, the center fielder was Fred Lynn, fabulous player, MVP and Rookie of the Year in 75, but didn't stay here very long. And Dwight Evans, again, excellent player, tremendous fielder, one of the best fielding outfielders ever, but again, wasn't here that long. Or I shouldn't say that. He, he was here long, but his impact was not uh, at the level of the other two, uh, Yaz and Manny. So, um, 
My bizarre story of the week is an easy one. The final play in Seattle on Monday night that was the tipping point in finally getting the real referees back, which we saw uh, in evidence last night with the Ravens-Browns game. And kind of funny with this whole replacement ref debacle, uh, number one, it removed any doubt whatsoever about America's passion for the NFL. Uh, in my mind, you need only look at the fact that the president of the United States, Barack Obama, was tweeting about it, the Seattle play, on uh, the next day. And Mitt Romney, his opponent in the presidential election, was also talking about it. So the fact that uh, it's reached the level that the very next day after something like what went on in Seattle the other night uh, was talked about by the president and his contender in the upcoming election says all you need to know about the passion of the NFL. It was the number one story, not sports story, story in America, to put it mildly, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, watching that game was just incredible. I watched it live. Tended to uh, go to bed right as soon as the game was over. Obviously couldn't do it. It was such a bizarre ending. And stayed up to for 90 more minutes to watch the post-game show. Listen to what people like Steve Young, very insightful, had to say about it. And I wasn't alone because it was the highest rated post-game show in history. No surprise. And uh, so it was just absolutely fascinating television. Uh, no need to go over it. We all saw Golden Tate uh, push off for the offensive interference. It should have ended everything, and the NFL admitted to such. Um, and then uh, the play itself, it was an interception, plain and simple. Everybody saw it. There's no way around it. And the forever picture that will live is obviously the one ref signaling touchdown and the other ref signaling game over interception. And, uh, again, a picture for the ages that will stick with us again forever. One of the things I did find myself thinking about as I was listening to John Gruden, who's terrific, exudes passion, was... Uh, couldn't help but think about what perhaps was the most controversial call prior to Monday night, which was, of course, the tuck roll up here at the old uh, Patriots Stadium, uh, the last game ever played there. I was in the stands that night, and John Gruden was the Oakland Raiders coach uh, when Walt Coleman, one of the real referees, made the infamous tuck rule call, and I just thought, you know, John Gruden, who on Monday night was just terrific to listen to, as he's just exclaiming dismay and disbelief over the call that had happened right in front of him, uh, you know, could have added really, really unique perspective uh, and put himself in Mike McCarthy's shoes as, how does it feel to be a coach when your team is basically on the wrong end of what is instantly one of the most controversial calls in NFL history. So I thought that would have been great. And that game was preceded, by the way, uh, on Sunday night by the Ravens-Patriots, an equally fascinating game due to the replacement refs. Uh, 
and highlighted by the fact of Torrey Smith, who had a huge game in uh, literally hours after his brother had died in a motorcycle accident at 2 a.m. that morning. So, um, you know, those two games were both uh, chock full of replacement ref controversy. And my final thought on the subject, uh, hopefully last time we ever have to talk about replacement refs, is just that it was strangely entertaining. Um, the Patriots, it was like there was a, a street fight after every play, it seemed. They were calling it a, quote, skirmish. But uh, replacement refs should have just been throwing flags right off the bat with penalties, literally in the first couple of plays, and then... Uh, if nothing changed, instantly ejections, and that would have got the game under control as it was. It never really got under control. To say it was edgy would be an understatement, and that, of course, ended with Bill Belichick uh, making contact with a ref. That cost him $50,000 in a game, again, on a controversial call with the uh, field winning field goal going above the right upright and was it or wasn't good the camera angle wasn't great so haven't seen anything any better angles so that one we're just going to live with the same way we're all just going to have to live with the result of the uh seattle victory over green bay so uh one last note wnba playoffs underway last night as all you listeners know i've been covering the connecticut sun throughout the year They beat the New York Liberty last night, 65-60, in their first playoff win in 20 years. They did it with defense, holding New York to 26% shooting. Tina Charles, who was named the league MVP, did not have her best game, especially rebounding. Only had like three rebounds, despite averaging over 10 throughout the year. But uh, still played a nice game, and she she will be heard from. And it looks like the Sun may have that championship look back. And they have the best record in the Eastern Conference. And wouldn't it be great if they ended up facing in the WNBA Finals the uh, Minnesota Lynx, who have Maya Moore, and she would be returning to Connecticut, where she became a legend playing at UConn. So it's going to be fun to watch the WNBA playoffs. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be my weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein, to the New York Post Sports Department. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
football, and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football, and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how are you doing today? Good, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, as always, for calling in. And quite a week with uh, the NFL refereeing situation. And we're all happy to report that we're back to having real refs, as we saw on the field last night between Baltimore and Cleveland. And uh, what's your take on how the whole week end and week unfolded in regards to the NFL refereeing situation? Well, it's, official it's funny, game, you know, when, you know, when did we ever think we'd see, uh, officials in any sport, you know, NFL, whatever, whatever league you want, uh, get a standing ovation when they, when they come out on the field? I mean, that's, that's never happened before, you know, and, uh, unlikely to ever happen again. You know, we may see some of that in some of the, you know, some Sunday's games, but, um, just, you know, just a bizarre, uh, ending to really something that never should have happened in the first place. I mean, you know, we, we talked on this show, you know, during training camp, during the preseason, you know, when, when the lockout first started, that, you know, the NFL was, you know, in essence, you know, really, you know, nickel, you know, for a billion dollar industry like, like the NFL is, you know, to be haggling, you know, with the officials, you know, really over nickels and dimes, it was really kind of silly. And, you know, for, for a league that, an organization that talks so much about, you know, protecting the shield and maintaining the integrity of the game, I mean, I think, in this dispute, they kind of showed that it was, it was, you know, anything but that, you know, to, to allow, um, you know, and, and again, you know, as, as, as everybody said and as we've said on the show too, I mean, you know, it's really unfair to the replacement officials themselves. I mean, obviously they were put in a bad situation. Uh, they were trying their best. They just were not equipped 
to, to handle the NFL game at that level. They were clearly intimidated by the players, intimidated by the coaches, uh, being berated, you know, by players and coaches, um, being, you know, uh, you know physically, uh, you know, inappropriately, uh, you know, uh, contacted you know, as, as, as with Bill Belichick. I mean, he wasn't the only one. There were others, and, you know, the, and, and the players, you know, seemed to try to get away with as much as they could. Um, you know, I think last night you saw, you know, a little bit of decorum returned. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, especially I, I think, you know, I think conventional wisdom too had it that, you know, even though no one actually came out and said it, I think that, uh, you know, as soon as the, the game in, the, in Seattle uh, with the Packers went down the way it did, at that moment, it was pretty apparent that, you know what, they have to end this. They, they cannot uh, allow the replacement reps to determine the outcome of the game, which is exactly what happened. I mean, you know, how that, how that play was called a touchdown in the first place, you know, was pretty inconceivable, but you figure, okay, this is why they review the plays. You know, they'll review it, they'll get it right. And they reviewed it and they still got it wrong, which was the, to me was mind-boggling. And I think to anybody who is a football fan who has a, who has a feel for the NFL rule, you know, how anybody watching that game realized that that was the wrong call, but yet the, 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 the fellows that were, that were officiating the game still got it wrong and didn't have that feel for it. So it was, it was just crazy and it was unfortunate for the Packers. And, you know, certainly judging by you know, the response of the Packers in the post game and, and on Twitter afterward, you know, obviously not happy about it. Obviously, you know, this is going to come back. Uh, it could likely come back to haunt the Packers. I mean, you know, uh, you know, with the, with the start they've, uh, they've gotten off to, you know, it, 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 it's tough. I mean, you know, it, it, this could have implications on the playoffs in the postseason. So, you know, when you get to that point, that's that, you know, the officials are determining outcomes of the games and, and these sorts of things are happening, then, you know, they really had no choice but to settle. But, you know, again, it never should have gotten to that point in the first place. I think we're all happy it's over. And, you know, we're just glad that we can, we can move on uh, with the real refs. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, the first bad call that make people are going to be blown, but that's okay. I mean, it happened, it happened last night, but that's all right. Um, but I think we can really, you know, rest a little easier going forward and really concentrate on the game again, knowing that at least this chapter that never should have happened is, is finally over. Yeah, well, it really was incredible, and it was just, you know, just as importantly, it was inevitable. You could just see it coming. Everybody was talking about it. None of this was a surprise that a game would be affected, and everybody agreed that until that happened, perhaps nothing would happen to change the situation. Uh and again, yeah, keep in mind, you know, and you make a good point about the review. I mean, the call was one thing, but the review was done by regular review people, NFL people, as opposed to, quote, replacement people. And so it was just, uh, you know, incredible, made all the more worse by Golden Tate, you know, making perhaps the most blatant offensive interference push ever. And, you know, which the NFL admitted in their statement the next day was, uh, you know, was offensive pass interference. And had that been called, it would have negated anything afterwards, meaning the interception slash catch. So, again, just, uh, you know, inevitable. You could just see it coming a mile away. It was building over three weeks, and I felt that, you know, if Monday night Seattle game was the, you know, the main course of the replacement ref uh, three-week stint, 
then, you know, the appetizer was Sunday night with the Patriots Ravens because that was, you know, I, that, that, that fell under the, you know, train wreck theory. You couldn't stop watching because from the first snap, it was just like a street fight, never brought under control, uh, and just, you know, must see TV. I mean, you know, it's always hard to take your eyes off any NFL game and living here in Boston, especially a Patriots game, but that game was just, you know, literally riveting. You couldn't miss a second of it because you really did not know what was going to happen next, um, given the replacement ref's handling of that game. So, again, that was the appetizer. And I felt that, you know, as crazy as Monday night was, I felt that it was partially, you know, set up by Sunday night and highlighted, uh, if you will, by Bill Belichick. You know, by the, the, the controversial field goal and then the exclamation point of Belichick uh, making contact with the official running off the field. So just a crazy 24 hours, you know, of replacement ref gate, shall we say. Yeah, and it's, isn't it great that we're not going to have to talk about the ref anymore after today? I mean, uh, yes. I think that, uh, it's, 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 you know, like we said, it's gotten to the point where it's just got to be too much. And I, and I think it was pretty uh, disingenuous of the NFL you know, to send out that, that statement after the um, after the Packers-Seahawks game, basically saying that, you know, that they felt that the, the right call was made. I mean, when it was pretty obvious, to, well, not pretty obvious, but extremely obvious to everyone who was watching that it, really, that it was not the right call. So yeah, they would have been better off just not saying anything and just, you know, you know, not even making a statement saying, well, we're going to reach agreement with our regular officials and bring them back this week, and we're not having any more of this. So, you know, in, in, in the end, you know, it all it all worked out, you know, the, the way we hoped it would. The officials, regular officials are back. You know, it's a shame that, that you know, that, uh, you know, the NFL's mishandling of this, you know, led to this happening, you know, uh, with those couple of games and with all the other, you know, calls and questionable, questionable things that happened uh, the first three weeks of the season. So uh, I, I think we're all just glad that we can all put that behind us at this point. Oh, absolutely. And say what you want about the NFL and, you know, Roger Goodell had a press conference, conference call, what have you, yesterday. Uh, you know, to their credit, they acted quickly to get it done before the next game following Monday night's game, which, of course, was last night's game. Um, so, you know, you know, again, it shouldn't have gotten this far. We all know that. But the fact that it did, uh, you know, that once it did and once the game was affected and all those things, that they then just got it done in short order. And, you know, as they typically do when pushed you know, to the brink, and, and clearly everybody was at the brink on this situation, uh, to put it mildly. And uh, but again, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of talk about the quote train wreck theory, and uh, of you know, everybody was tuning in to see how bad it would it might get, and you know, you know, count me among them. Whereas, as I just stated, uh, I found it strangely almost more entertaining like it was sort of a the nfl in and of itself stands alone as just you know the best reality tv going bar none and then you add in the replacement ref thing over the last three weeks and it actually you know added a little sizzle to that steak which was kind of crazy but you know it was uh you know 
we're all glad to have it done and over and behind us. Uh, you know, the, the money shot, the photo, as I said, of, you know, the one ref holding up his arms and the other ref signaling, uh, game over, interception will be the, uh, you know, will be obviously the seared in everyone's memory for a long, long time, if not forever. Because once you have a picture to attach to something like this, to intangibles, uh, you know, then it has a longer shelf life, to say the least. So, Barry, uh, yeah, so again, we're back to football, and it couldn't have come a moment too soon, that's for sure. I think we're having a little technical difficulty, so we'll use this uh, opportunity to take our break. And back on with us on the other side will be Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike? Maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure. Whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker, be sure to tune in to Backpacking America's Trails with host Rob Maureen. We'll explore some of the most fascinating places on Earth. In addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, brought to you by Whitetails Extreme. On this week's program, the author of Ducks Unlimited, Guide to Hunting Dabblers, Wade Bourne, plus Hook and Hunt TV's Jim Crowley. Hey, Ross, going to hear from John Devney, and he's the vice president of Death of Waterfowl and uh, also Muddy Water Camel founder Steve Maloney. When we talk about waterfowl hunting. Hey, and it's all brought to you by Ram at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, and 
Still with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, we were talking NFL football, so we're going to continue on. And instead of looking back, we're going to look ahead. And yet another great slate of NFL games this weekend. And the one that jumps out at me, uh, you know, reaching back to last Monday night's Seattle Green Bay game is Green Bay playing the New Orleans Saints this week. Uh, New Orleans is at Green Bay, and obviously Green Bay is now 1-2, and, and they need to win, and the Saints are unbelievably 0-3, so they just simply have to win to have even a shred of hope for the uh, postseason, and, you know, there was a lot of excitement for the Saints given, you know, you know uh, the Super Bowls in New Orleans is coming February, and boy, if we've if we've all learned one thing, I think what we've learned is uh, the importance of a head coach, particularly uh, someone as charismatic as Sean Payton. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that if uh, you know, if you had said going into into Week Four, if uh, you know, looking at, at this game, at the Saints Packers game, if if you would have said that the the two teams going into this game would be would be a combined one and five, and the Saints would be zero and I don't think anybody would have believed that, and I think you could have made a lot of money off that if you wanted to bet on that. But it, it is pretty amazing when you think about it. I mean, you know, here's you know, just, just getting just, just stepping back a little bit. Here's here's something interesting. I saw on ESPN this week that last week uh, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning all lost last week. And according to ESPN, that's the first time that that has ever happened. That those all five of those quarterbacks lost in the same week, so you can chew, chew on that for a little while. But, yeah, I mean, the Saints look to be, I mean, you know, we, we, we've talked all, all, all summer about, uh, about the Red Sox, uh, you know, being a train wreck and being in free fall, and, you know, I, I, think, I think the Saints are very close to, to becoming that train wreck. I mean, they just, they just can't seem to, to, to beat anybody. They're, they can't get out of their own way. And, yeah, I mean, you know, when you lose your head coach and you have essentially a, a third-string head coach, um, you know, manning manning those those headphones for you. Uh, you know, it's it's certainly uh, certainly become a real on the verge of uh, of a lost season in New Orleans. And you know, you talk about a must win. You know, for the New Orleans Saints to avoid going zero and four. I mean, that's just it's, it's just stunning. You know, we never a year ago who would have thought they'd be, or a few months ago whoever thought they'd be in this position. You know, before uh, before Bounty Gate. So it's just uh, an incredible turn of events and. Uh, you know, maybe I, I think you could easily say that the uh, New Orleans Saints are the most desperate team in the NFL right now. Oh, no question. And, you know, as I've mentioned before on the show, I had the pleasure of uh, talking with Sean Payton a couple of years ago at the NFL owners meetings at the NFC coaches breakfast and interviewing him for the an article I was doing on the Philadelphia Daily News. And then I happened to be there last year when he... Uh, was accosted at the NFL owners' meetings uh, when he walked into the hotel lobby for the first press conference after Bounty Gate was announced. And in both instances, I was blown away by the charisma that he has. He just had, there's something about him. And I think it was evidenced by when he broke his leg on the sidelines last year. He was. Uh, quickly back on the sideline and bottom line, he is one of those rare individuals that, you know, his presence 
on the sideline cannot be overstated. It's just that simple. He is just, uh, you know, both charisma-wise and also technically speaking, as in in-game adjustments, what have you, he's just a leader. And, you know, when he's on the sidelines, the, the Saints are just simply a different team. You know, it's so, you know, it's real easy to, you know, forget that, you know, most people thought coming in that the Saints were going to rally, that they were going to basically come in with a chip on their shoulder, us against the world, we've been wronged, and, uh, that, you know, I'll speak for myself, I thought they were going to have a pretty good year, and in fact may make, you know, may become one of those great sports stories where they make a run to the Super Bowl, and who knows, maybe they still will, but looks doubtful and uh and instead the exact opposite has occurred which you know logic would dictate that this is the way it should have it would have and has gone that you know they've lost their leadership they're literally have an interim to an interim coach and how could you expect they would have done any better um they're not only losing they're losing in ugly fashion i.e giving up the big lead uh, to lose to the Chiefs this past week in the Superdome. Um, so, yeah, this is it. Back to the wild time. I mean, this is, in effect, it's going to feel and look like a playoff game. Let's not forget, it was only 13 months ago that it was the Saints and the Packers in the NFL kickoff game. They put on an absolute show uh, to kick off the season up at Lambeau the year after the Packers won the Super Bowl. And again, that was only 13 months ago. So, unbelievable what can happen in a short time, huh, Barry? Yeah, and it really is, you know. And and you know, it's, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but I was just thinking about this as you were, you were talking about, you know, they're being without their leader, and you know, he's such a charismatic lead, leader, and you know what he does, what Sean Payton, uh, you know, has has done for the Saints. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking more of like a, you know, kind of like a military buff sense, which which we both are. It would be as if, uh, you know, during the Second World War. Uh, you know, the U.S. Army, you know, suddenly were without, uh, Eisenhower, Bradley, and Patton and making decisions for them. So, you know, if you didn't have those guys available, you know, who's making the call for you? So, you know, it's like you have your leadership and you have your coach and you have your, uh, you know, general, whatever, whatever, what have you. You know, it, it, you, you, if you don't have your leadership intact and in place, you know, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, you can't blame it all on that, but, you know, it's a big, it's certainly a huge factor. And the other factor, too, they just have not played well and they haven't performed and haven't executed. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you talk about a must-win playoff team situation in week four, you know, that's just, it's just stunning. You know, uh, it's just, it's just crazy. And I, I heard a stat and I, 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 I don't want to, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to repeat it because I did, I didn't get the total, total context of it. But um, I believe I heard on ESPN it said something to the effect that since 1990, I think there's only been three teams that have come back from 0-3 to make the playoffs. So, you know, if they lose this week, then you could pretty much, you know, count them out. You know, 0-4, you know, to make the postseason, I think we fall fall total order, especially and even even as talented as the Saints are. But it's just it's just too too dig, too uh, much of a hole to dig out from. So. Uh, so yeah, it's certainly a, a, the, the biggest must game uh, on the schedule this week. That that has to be at Saints versus Packers. Oh no question. You know it's a national game, four o'clock on Sunday. It's it's going to be you know great theater because the best the NFL is at its best when teams are playing with desperation, and both of them 
will be playing with desperation. I mean, with everything we've just said, let's also not forget, it's equally important that the Packers not go one and three. And speaking of one and three, uh, my local team here, our local team, I should say, uh, the New England Patriots uh, have lost two in a row for the first time in a decade. They lost uh, in ugly fashion at home a couple weeks ago to Arizona. And now they've lost, uh, you, you know, in what I'll call excruciating fashion, controversial, if you will, uh, last Sunday night to the Ravens. And, uh, you know, they're going to Buffalo. Always trouble. <laughs> just always trouble. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Buffalo is a schizophrenic team. You just don't know who you're going to get. Uh, but typically against the Patriots in Buffalo, you're going to get the good Buffalo. And yeah, so that, good, that's going to yeah. be a good game. Yeah, it, it, I, I expect it to be a good game, and I expect it, I do expect it to be a good game, and uh, you know it's a nice situation. I mean, all of these you know, all of these teams that are that are one and two, you know, this is this is a good week for them. You know, certainly, you know, as we said, the the, the Packers game is big uh, against the Saints, and I think this is this is a huge game for for the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots, you know, to start at zero and three, they're not they're not used to that. You know, Belichick certainly and Brady certainly are not used to that. Uh, but that's the, that's the situation they're in. So. And again, like you say, you just never the the, the bills have been a little uh, unpredictable so far this year. You don't quite know what you're going to get, but uh, you know, as you said, you know, you would expect them to have the to be the good bills uh, facing against the Patriots this week. So, uh, so yeah, that that should be that should should be a good one. And uh, you know, you have I, uh, yeah, another intriguing game to me for some reason. I don't know if it's intriguing to everybody, but I think the Seahawks Rams game is a little intriguing to me because you have the Seahawks. They've been a little bit overachieving so far, and I don't think people realize that they're as good as they are. Their defense has been very good for the most part. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson has been very impressive versus quarterback. They have a chance to go three and one uh, against against a uh, Rams team that you know offensive line's really banged up. So they have a, they have a chance to really you know kind of step up to that next level. And then you also have three three and O teams. Uh, the the Falcons. You know, Matt Ryan's been terrific. Uh, Arizona Cardinals have been doing a great defense. They're three and zero, and um, the uh, Houston Texans also three and zero, and all of them pretty good chances to go four and zero this week. Uh, Atlanta against Carolina, Houston against um, Tennessee, Arizona against Miami. So we'll see what happens there. So yeah, there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of moving and shaking, I think, in the NFL this week. Oh yeah, well the Seahawks are an intriguing team. I mean. You mentioned Russell Wilson. Let's not forget, lost in all the controversy is Russell Wilson threw what is now one of the most famous passes in the history of the NFL in his fourth game ever. So, as a rookie, so that, you know, and, and he played a, a fascinating game. Let's not forget, he, you know, he, he got him down the field to put them in position for a Hail Mary. So, uh, you know, he's instantly on everybody's radar screen. And, uh, you know, I like the Seahawks. I mean, Pete Carroll, as I was watching the Seahawks get eight, repeat, eight sacks in the first half, acting like, playing just like wild dogs uh, out there on Aaron Rodgers, of all people. You know, I, I just found myself thinking, you know, Pete Carroll who I'm a big fan of, given that he lived in my town here of Medfield, Massachusetts, when he coached the Patriots. Then went on to USC, and obviously now in Seattle. But the, when you look at the USC teams and then the Seattle team, say, what well, you want about Pete Carroll? And he's back in the news, given his, you know, 
celebration after the controversial play on Monday night and holding up his arm, standing right beside the ref when the review play was finally finalized and all that. Uh, he gets his teams emotionally fired up, period. When I look at the USC years under Pete Carroll, and I just think, you know, high-energy, emotional team. And, boy, the Seahawks showed that and a whole lot more on you know, Monday night, again, lost in everything. That defensive performance, eight sacks in the first half, was as interesting a half of NFL football as I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, they've, they've, they've been, you know, if, if you want to say they are cheating, maybe they are. But, you know, maybe they are performing to the expectations you know, on the defensive side of the ball. They've looked really good. And, uh, and you know what? I thought last night's game, I thought, was, would turn out to be really good, too. I think... Uh, you know, yes. the Browns really, really showed me something. I mean, I was, I was actually quite impressed with the way they were able to keep that game close. I mean, it looked, it looked like when, the, when the, uh, when the Ravens got that pick six and scored that touchdown, it looked like they were gonna, you know, run away with it at that point. But to the, the Browns really hung in, and I, I gotta tell you, I was really impressed, uh, especially on the last drive of the game, uh, when the, when the Browns came down and, and, and almost scored the game tying touchdown in a, in a, a situation that would have been pretty similar to the Packers Seahawks game. Um, almost, except this would have gone overtime. But, um, you know, Brandon Whedon looked, looked really good to me on that last drive, and he looked like he was in control, and uh, he was able to get some, get, make some big completions. So, you know, you might see a team like, like the Browns, you know, maybe on the verge of, of kind of turning it around a little bit. But I, I thought I was, I came away with, from that game uh, thinking, uh, you know, maybe we'll have a little bit of, bit of renaissance in Cleveland this year. Well, I agree. I watched that game, too, uh, if only for the referees, if for no other reason. But, no, just kidding. Uh, you know, got a, lot, got a heavy dose of Ravens this week between Sunday night and last night and four games in 18 days. But I thought I was very impressed with Brandon Whedon bringing him down the field. Very unfortunate. I literally felt bad for the guy that his final pass was really the only play that he couldn't make, which was to simply – not put the ball in play, threw it out of the end zone, way high, way long. And that, that was just an unfortunate last play. But until that moment, uh, he did an amazing job on the road as a rookie, 28 years old, um, in bringing them down the field under, you know, no timeouts, less than a minute. And he moved them, whatever, 50, 60 yards, uh, if not more, actually. I think he started at the 10. So, you know, uh, I give him a lot of credit and... I think he, again, I think you can put him in that, in this obviously fantastic rookie class of quarterbacks as, you know, uh, he, he's suddenly the fifth one in the group of five that, you know, is uh, turning people's heads. So with that said, uh, it's time for our final break and Barry sticking around with us for, uh, for the final segment. flagship station for sports voice america sports what if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place 
it can be done. And Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. Hard Hitting Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And still on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, uh, interesting day in that as we speak. Uh, many NBA teams are holding their media day. Hard to believe. NBA training camps underway this weekend. Uh, literally right up the road for me, the Boston Celtics have just begun media day at uh, 1 o'clock today, just like uh, our show began at 1. And this, uh, following on the news yesterday that the NHL canceled all of their preseason, so... Um, we go from one end to the other on our winter sports, one getting underway and the other, which should have been underway, uh, has not started and we don't know where that stands, but it sounds like you have some, uh, some interesting news on the NHL, which I did not know. Yeah, they're, um, they're actually, uh, beginning to re- to negotiate again today, uh, first negotiating sessions, uh, since the lockout officially began, um, you know, on, on the plus side, you know, it's good that they're talking. I mean, you, you you can't come to a settlement if you're not at least at the table talking. So that that so that's a positive. Um, you know, I think uh, we would temper that positivity with the with the fact that they were not expected to discuss any of the core issues involved here, uh, uh, e.g., um, how to divide up that, that, that all that uh, revenue. Um, these were secondary issues uh, reportedly that were going to be discussed today. But, you know, uh, as we know in any labor situation, you, know, you're, you're, you can't come to any agreement if you're not at least in conversation, not at least talking. So, you know, I think, you know, that's a positive. And I think they're expected at this point to, uh, you know, continue negotiations throughout the weekend, you know, unless something goes terribly wrong and they just decide, well, there's no point in even discussing, which would be a really bad sign at this stage. Um, you know, I think there are some people that are expecting this to last a long time. There are others expecting that it would be, you know, similar uh, kind of to what happened with the NBA last year. You know, they'll settle, 
they'll miss some games, settle around, you know, uh, around early December, get things going by Christmas, and then hopefully they can kind of, you know, follow that, that model if it gets to that point. Uh, you know, and not put the Winter Classic in jeopardy. Obviously, that's a marquee. It's become a marquee event on New Year's Day for the uh, for the NHL. Um, it's going to be played this year at at the Big House, uh, Michigan Stadium. Uh, first time there, so that should be that should be quite an event. Uh, hopefully, it'll come to pass. Hopefully, we can get get it going soon. And uh, you know, uh, it would be nice to it would be great for the uh, NHL to kind of put this behind them and you know, get back. Get back to the game. You know, we you know nobody likes to talk about labor situations. You know, we don't like to, we don't like covering it. The fans nope. don't like hearing about it. You know, it's just like most fans, I think, are like just you know, tell me when it's over. Just let me know when it's over. You know, I don't really care what the issues are. Uh, millionaires versus billionaires, that sort of thing. And I think we see that with with all our uh, labor sports disputes. So um, so hopefully uh, they'll get on the right path and, and get that going this weekend. And as far as the NBA, yeah, it uh, it just seems like yesterday that. Uh, that the NBA season ended, so uh, you know it, it, it's kind of a quick turnaround, or so it's, so it's, so we feel. But you know uh, we've had other things uh, taking over our uh, our attention in the sporting world. You know whether it be you know, right now it's the NFL, and you know, we got uh, you know the end of the baseball season, It'll be postseason baseball real soon, and so yeah, a lot of other stuff going on to kind of take our attention. But yeah, it's, it's kind of surprising that uh, you know the NBA uh, training camp just kind of snuck up on us. So uh, so they're back and. We'll hear uh, balls bouncing real soon. Well, absolutely true. And just a couple quick thoughts. Yep. Uh, first of all, in the NHL, the Winter Classic, uh, if played, will be before the largest crowd in the history of hockey. Since it's at the big house, we're looking at uh, easily 100,000 plus, obviously. And, yeah, I was surprised to hear you say that, you know, the – uh, talks are back underway because, frankly, when I saw the headline that the entire preseason was canceled, I instantly in my head just said, oh, that's it for a while and dismissed it and really put it out of my thought process. So I'm glad to hear they are talking, but uh, enough said about all that. NBA, yeah, I think it did seem even quicker than usual because of the Olympics. It's like they never really lost our consciousness. No, you know, the heat won. Uh, we were well into June for that. And then no sooner did that end, then it just seemed like uh, they were, you know, uh, back into playing in the Olympics. And it just seems like that just ended, and here they are. So I think it's great. You know, lo- a lot of interest up here, of course, with the Celtics. And uh, if I were not here doing this show, I would be there at Media Day. And, uh, yeah, but, I mean, the whole NBA season in general is going to be, you know, Again, compelling. Uh, let's not forget a year ago we were in uh, lockout mode with them, too. And, uh, you know, but the headline story clearly is going to be, uh, you know, Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, and the Lakers. Um, you know, again, Celtics intriguing. Heat, the heat of the heat. And they are, by the way, having their media day as we speak in Miami. So I, I think uh, the NBA season, sitting here on truly day one, is looking to be particularly fascinating this year. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, certainly a lot of intrigue with, 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 with the Heat. Will they be able to defend their title? Um, you know, will the, will the Thunder be able to, you know, kind of, you know, pick up where they left off, um, to make that next step for them? Uh, you know, the Lakers now a much, much different looking team now with Dwight Howard. Um, and now you have uh, pro basketball in Brooklyn too with the, with the Nets. 
uh, officially, uh, you know, getting underway in, in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. So, yeah, there's a lot. There is going to be a lot of intrigue in the in the NBA this year for sure. So uh, we'll, we'll 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 be getting we'll be getting ready to get that started real real soon. Absolutely, it's going to be fun. And finally, during this just terrific time of year, even with the NHL uh, uh, in a lockout mode, uh, baseball. We're down under a minute. Don't have much to say other than, you know, the season ends here in the next few days. Uh, this is the year they go to the one, two wildcard teams playing a one-game playoff. Should be fun, if I'm not mistaken. That's going to be a week from today, so we uh, we can be talking about it probably live on the show next week. Yep, probably. And, uh, yeah, that would be something new and something different. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out. And at that point, at this point, we still don't know who's, who's even going to be involved in that. I mean, the uh, Yankees have a one-game lead on the Orioles. That could still go either way at this point. And there's lots of other, lots of other tight races, too. So uh, we will see how it shakes out. Well, I think America's darlings uh, heading in, sitting here today at this moment. Certainly the team that has me most interested uh, is the Orioles. No offense to Yankee fans. Uh, but, you know, they've captured America uh, with their amazing record in one-run games and extra inning games. That's just uh, been incredible to watch. And uh, it just feels like, you know, they've taken the Yankees on head-to-head, which leads me to believe that they're ready. They're ready for this postseason. Their their heads are screwed on straight. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And Barry, uh, once again, I just want to thank you for calling in today. Your perspective is always greatly appreciated and insightful. And we will look doing uh, look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.